You're listening to a podcast by the Center for Action and Contemplation. To learn more, visit cac.org. Hi, everybody. I'm Jackie Lewis, and this is Love Period, a podcast about how to love ourselves, our posse, and the world fiercely on the way to making the world better. My guest today is Genesis B, Genesis Briggs, a third-generation civil rights activist raised by a nurse and uh, an activist who converted to Islam when she was a child, who raised her in that faith, and she who raised herself in hip-hop. She is a student of the world, a love warrior, and a peacemaker. Genesis, thank you so much for coming today. How are you doing? Yep, yep. I'm doing <laughs> lovely today. I woke up with a headache. I don't have it anymore, though. It's just good, good to see you. Glad good to be too, here. How did you chase your headache away? What did you do? I took a, a big old ibuprofen, one of the fat ones. <laughs> drank, drank some water. You know, Mississippi, I, you know, it, it sneaks up. The dehydration sneaks up on you if you're not careful. Where do you live in Mississippi? Biloxi. Biloxi. Mm-hmm. Do people know? Do people know? Talk about Mississippi. Talk about Mississippi? Have, yeah, you and I both have Mississippi roots. Can you tell us about yours? Sure. So uh, my father's from Mississippi, Roxy, Mississippi, which is really close to Natchez. Most people would know that a little better. Uh, so yeah, just growing up here was a beautiful experience. Um, Mississippi is a very complicated and complex place historically, a lot of generational trauma, a lot of unsolved um, pain, a lot of injustice, but it's also a very beautiful place. The people here are uh, some of the most hospitable, uh, gracious, calm people that I've ever met. <laughs> and yeah, it's home. It's home. Calm like the calm like the river in some ways, right? I feel like when um, I'm when I'm in Mississippi, I feel like smell of magnolias, dark of dirt, mm. green green verdant of grass, and like the river. It's beautiful. I don't know, right? It's absolutely, absolutely beautiful. Yeah. I say Mississippi sunset is the, one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen. Hmm. And you talk about also the unsolved. Trauma, you have your own story of unsolved trauma, your grandfather. Sure, yes. My grandfather, his name is Reverend Reverend Clyde Briggs, and he passed away when he was 42 years old. My father was seven, but he was a pretty extraordinary man. He was a, um, a war vet, a preacher, and an educator. He was... Um, an activist as well, so motivating, inspiring, educating Black folks in Franklin County uh, to vote. Him and his boys and his his friends would make transportation convoys to and from voting posts to protect Black citizens from the Klan, aka the police, um, from being harmed while they were trying to exercise their their right to vote. And because of that, you know, he received a lot of uh, backlash and threats. Um, KKK shooting into my my father's childhood home with children inside and my pregnant grandmother, him being chased down the road, um, them having to be armed, them having to um, help arm other citizens and their friends to make sure that they weren't killed by the Klan. But 
Yeah. So in, um, when he was 42, he passed away. Uh, many in our family believe that he was poisoned because of uh, the year leading up to that. They chased and shot at him. They couldn't get close to him. And um, his case made it all the way to being observed by the FBI. Just recently closed his case, actually, like last month. But they were investigating it as a homicide. And you know, they came back and said that most of the people who were alive during that time that they wanted to question either, you know, have passed away or um, most have passed away. So they just closed the case. But, you know, I don't focus too much on his death. You know, a lot of us have family members who were taken too early from us because of uh, the ongoing civil rights battle that we fought here in, in the U.S., so I focus on his life and things that he he's accomplished as an education reformist and an activist and a, a preacher, man of God. And the legacy he leaves in you too. Yeah, the legacy <laughs> left in me and my my cousins and my brothers. Yeah. Sure. Your your grandfather's story, the story of being a voting rights activist, of getting citizens the right to vote. My great uncle George, you know, that's his story in Rueville, Mississippi, with Fannie Lou Hamer up and down the dirt roads and trying to register mm-hmm. folks to vote and getting shot at in his house. He lived a, a, to be, I don't know, 88 or 89. So he he survived the, the yeah. injuries, right, of, of, of war, if you will, uh, in, in those moments. But um, I, really, I really do think that that generation of leaders, Genesis, um, their lives inspire me and think about the the work of activists now. And that, of course, just brings me to you and Anjanu Ellis, our friend, and the work that you all have done, the successful work you did. Come on. Mm-hmm. Help mm-hmm. to get the, right. the Mississippi flag down. So could you just, how are you like your grandfather, you know, and how are you like your dad and how are you like you? What, what fuels your activism? What fuels the work you do in the world? Sure. Um, I'm like my father and my grandfather because I'm very brave. Um, I'm extremely sensitive. That's, that's who I am. I think outside of anybody else, I'm a very sensitive person. Uh, I'm an artist. I'm very passionate. Um, I think I might get that from my mother, actually, my mother and my grandmother, uh, her mother, Grandma Violet, and my mother, Lisa. She's a nurse. She was in the Army, very strong, retired Army, 20 years, but she's a nurse. She's of service because she cares about people, and when she sees people hurting, the Mm -hmm. empath in her hurts, and I'm very much like that, so it's kind of like I was a sensitive child. I cried all the time. I was introverted. I didn't want to be around anybody. I didn't understand the world. Like the world, I felt like I didn't belong here. Like humanity itself confused me as a child. So I just went inside and I created, I I wrote, I drew, I painted. Um, So that sensitivity birthed with that courageousness of really not fearing much of anything except my creator. And that's not even a fear. That's more of a love, but Mm -hmm. like a respect, I should say. I love that. Uh, I love respect. Yeah. There's not a lot that I fear. Yeah. How, you know, um, you know, our, our podcast of course is called love period. So I'm thinking about 
this three circles of love, Genesis, the love of self, the love of the, our posse, our people, right? And the love of the creator. How did you, uh, a sensitive person, a sensitive child who didn't understand the world, who went inside because the world was confusing her heart, how did you learn to love you? And has it ever been hard? So I'm a student of hip hop and I'm a student of Islam. I was raised Muslim. Both of my parents converted before I was born. My mother from Catholicism, my father from Baptist. And Islam was the the golden road on which I walked and it speaks a lot about compassion. Like Islam is a religion of humanity and peace and compassion. So it taught me to be both uh Humble and confident. There's a balance there, right? Like mm-hmm. knowing that I can do anything because I am a child of God, but also I am humble because I'm a student. I'm a student always. Right. Mm-hmm. I love so that. when you, yeah, when you live in those two worlds and you were raised in, in those two mindsets, I think the outcome is unconditional love for yourself that radiates to those around you, that radiates to humanity and beyond humanity, right? beyond self and then our people and then global and then universal eventually, you know, having love for all beings or creation. You know, yes, I think that's right. You know, it's this feeling of, you know, all the, all the world's major religions say love, something like love your neighbor as yourself, do unto others as you have them do unto you, or don't withhold from someone something you need for yourself. One, one, a major religion just simply says, don't break anyone's heart. Mm. Ooh. But, right? Just don't break anyone's heart. But you and I know that maybe the maybe the issue is, maybe the issue of cruelty or violence or bigotry, maybe. If the equation is love your neighbor as you love yourself, but you don't love yourself, maybe that doesn't turn into something universal and ever-widening, mm-hmm. right? Like maybe that's the problem, right? Yeah, how can you love someone if you don't love yourself? It's impossible. It has to start within. And I had to learn that. Like I didn't always know that. I didn't understand what unconditional love meant until like last year. I, it was always very cliche. I think I've always walked with purpose and in service, but I didn't understand unconditional love for myself until like last year. And I have to imagine like some people spend their whole lives and never arrive there. So I'm, I feel grateful. And that's why I, you know, do what I can with my humble platform and um, with people like yourself, my mentors and, you know, people who support me to just share what that looks like and what that feels like. And that you can achieve that for yourself, that real true self-love. How did you forgive yourself, you know? How did you do that, sweetie? How did you get there? I think the catalyst was a breakup that I had. And it was the first time, I think, I don't don't want to say heartbroken because I don't believe in that. But it was the first time where I was like, my soul was shaken Hmm. to the point where I couldn't do anything except go back inside, like as I did when I was a kid and remember Hmm. That connection with source, that connection with my higher self, that connection with nature. I I had nowhere else to go. 
Mm. um, except inside to remind myself of who I was, like my true essence before the world took its little ice pick and hammer and chiseled at me. (laughs) (laughs) So that was the catalyst. And, And within that process, I had to learn to forgive myself and have compassion for myself in order to have uh, compassion, forgiveness, and unconditional love for this person that I had separated from. Mm-hmm. Um, never truly, we never truly separate from anybody. We say um, in Stoicism or uh, even Taoism, they say you have not lost somebody; you have returned them. Mm, that's good. We never possess anybody anyway. But I mm-hmm. had to learn a lot of lessons, and that's how I arrived to true self love for myself, and that has radiated out. To my former, you know, my former partner, former partners, the world, my family, my puppy. You know, I used to kill insects, Jackie. I used to kill insects. I don't kill them anymore, which is anyone who knows me know I'm like terrified of spiders, like roaches. I don't kill them anymore. I just, I look at them differently. I'm like, oh, this little guy, he doesn't know you know, that he's inside what I think is my house, right? That's relative. Mm -hmm. This little guy is just doing his thing on the wall. You know, let me put him outside my house. But it's just a different way of being. And I'm still kind of navigating it, honestly. Even the spiders are part (laughs) of our kin. Yes. I'm still terrified of them. Illogical. I, I haven't even not quite. It's not logical. It's not logical. I, I haven't quite gotten there. I this is my this is my hope this makes people laugh. I'm like, I love everything. If you're outside and you're crawling, I'm good on you. Because I that's your space. But if you come inside, we have to have a conversation right. about my space. Ser- seriously though, uh when we, I was talking about those were religions. Doing the research on my book, fierce love. Um, some of the some of the teachings I really like, not just the humankind, but how we are really you know one with the creatures, one with the animals, one with the flying things, the crawling things. I think it's so interesting. I think about Alice Walker. Um, she puts in the mouth of Shug Avery. Mm-hmm. Her waking up to, you know, what what God is like. And she says something like, I realize when I cut a tree, I would bleed. Mm. Wow. Right? Like, that's so I think cool. that in tune. <laughs> yeah. And I, I, what I believe, um, Reverend Jackie, Spirit Mama, is mm-hmm. that we are going on a trajectory with humanity historically like we are at a point in time where more people on the earth are becoming universalists you know and and globalists but i think we are starting to wake up a little more uh become less egocentric yes and i think there's more and more people and people like yourself and other uh, thought leaders who are helping to be catalysts for this trajectory but I think it's happening all over the world, it's, and it's almost like an evolution of humanity where our consciousness is expanding uh, to really explore just what human beings are capable of. I think that's right. Right. When we get out of our ego and say, you know, I'm not going to 
do this just because it benefits me? Like, what can I do to benefit those around me, the world around me, the universe around me, the consciousness and dimensions I might not be able to see? And it's an exciting time to be alive and an exciting time to be doing the kind of things that you and I are doing. Love Period will continue in a moment. Is there life after doom? Explore the complexity of hope and grief at our upcoming event, Courage and Resilience, an online gathering with Brian McLaren. Unpack themes from Brian McLaren's new book, Life After Doom. Discover how to find courage, even when everything may feel hopeless. Join us live on May 17th at 10 a.m. Pacific Time. All those who register will have access to the recorded replay for one year. Register at cac.org courage. You have new music that you've just put in the world. And I know when we started talking, Genesis, you were saying, um, you know, that you are a student of, you know, Islam. You are a student of so many thoughts, um, paradigms, I would say, um, philosophies, but also sure. hip hop, right? Sure. So what's, what's that? What's happening there? I mean, you say we're in, a, we're in a trajectory. I think we are. Human beings are evolving. I think that's right. I, I wonder if there's a, a concurrent regression, something else to like the death throes of something like, we will not change. Oh, heck no. You know, like that feels like a little pocket of that's going on. But mm-hmm. I think mostly we're moving. So talk about how your music, your work, your art how does it come from your love of people, your posse, the world? And also, how do you think you are influencing people to love differently? Sure. I think, well, especially with hip-hop, hip-hop's the most powerful art in the world, whether people understand that or not. That's why it's been commercialized and appropriated all over the world. It's a very, very powerful, high, fine art form. Mm-hmm. Hip hop for me, because I was such an introverted and quiet child, and I'm um, non neurotypical as well, it was a way for me to have a voice and build my confidence and and come to the conclusion like what I have to say is relevant. Actually, people want to hear what I have to say. Wow, mm-hmm. you know. And I I I kind of dabble. I go, you know, when I was younger, I was very political, almost radical. Mm-hmm. almost radical, you know, just really not understanding, you know, I'm going to get into that. But now my, my art, uh, for a long time, I felt like I couldn't be myself in my art, being a queer person, a queer woman, um, on, you know, always been a more intellectual. I felt like I couldn't really be myself sensually or sexually with, mm-hmm. with my hip hop as a young person, like a teen or early twenties, there are videos where I'm like, you know, just really femme. And, you know, <laughs> basically there's like outside forces telling me no one wants to hear that gay shit, you know, excuse my language, it's okay. you know, that pressure on you of to like, if you want to succeed, you have to conform and, you know, I, I haven't been in that place in a, in a while, probably like 10 years, where now I just rap about whatever the F I want, whatever mm-hmm. I want. I don't, I don't care if it's, it's uh, you know, I don't really believe in respectability 
politics, whether it's from black folks, white folks, it doesn't matter. Like I say what I want and I speak my truth. And the truth isn't always um, the box that people try to place me in, whether I'm an activist or a advocate for love, because there's also, as we know, a lot of anger that comes with passion. And when we see um, people being harmed, sometimes I, my music is the means of which I can express that freely. And I feel so blessed. It's like therapy. It's like therapy. Mm -hmm. And so my new album, you know, I wrote it after my breakup and during quarantine and I was going through a lot and it's just more of like a celebration. It's called Tomboy. And I'm speaking about my relationships with women and um, the, the self-critique and the, the, the self-celebrating um, myself and my community and my friends. You know, I have these videos. It's just me and my friends passing around the phone, having fun and me talking my ish. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not, not, you know, people will be like, is it political? It's not political in the sense that you would think, but it's political to me because I'm taking up space as a queer woman of color in hip hop to say, this is what I want to talk about, whether you like it or not. Is there room in hip hop now? Have you made room? Like you made the flag come down. Have you made room in hip hop for you and, and your, and your friends? I think there's a lot of uh, people pushing the envelope when it comes to hip hop and queerness or hip hop. And, you know, hip hop is always kind of, once it was commercialized, it's, you know, kind of what we still see in mainstream, like the, the um, uh, hypersexualization of uh, black women, hyperviolent black men or hyper um, drug dealing or drug using, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, I don't, I don't, talk down on because that is also a reality that exists in our communities and why a lot of people flock to that type of music or that type of consciousness. And sometimes I do too, if I'm in a certain vibe, you know, um, but in terms of mainstream hip hop is still not making a whole lot of room for people who kind of go against the grain, unless it's a little more gimmicky or shock value. Okay. you know, so but everyone plays their part. But the thing with ha- mainstream hip hop, it's like it's destabilized and decentralized out of mm-hmm. the label's hands and into more of the people's hands. And that's what I love to see about the new artists that are coming out, even though even if they're not speaking about anything deep, like they're still, you know, able to play the game, get their money, um, you know, build their audience, which, you know, I, I just love to see young black folks win. Honestly, yeah. amen. I, yep, love, I love to see it. Yeah, so you know, I'm not, I'm not one of those, you know, folks who like talk down on the on the rap that's out right now. Like, I just love to see young black people winning. Um, and for myself, you know, I create my lane wherever mm-hmm. I fit in. I, I continue to make my music. It doesn't matter whether I'm like mainstream or have a label. I've been independent my entire career. I've still mm-hmm. have made Billboard and LA Times and New York Times. I've still been able to do it all without the label. Okay. And that's another thing I, I want the younger generation of artists and activists to understand is like, you know, you don't need particularly any label or outside entity that will can exploit you. You don't need that. Yeah, there's a 
I feel like you're counter, you know, my friend Brian Blunt talks about pockets of resistance in theology. I just think of your work as this, like, almost like a lane of resistance, you know, it's a river of resistance. Uh, Maybe I'm stuck on Mississippi River, but I feel like you are swimming kind of beautifully, Genesis, in the in so many spaces, like how does a young, how does a hip hop artist end up with vote common good? You know, how, how <laughs> <does> that, <laughs> you, know you know, my, my friends tease me all the time. They're always like, you're just all over the place. You're like, how, how can you put out this ratchet song? That's like crazy. <laughs> and then be partnering with the YMCA for some children things. I'm like, I don't know. I'm just me. People keep asking me to do things. So, you know, I, all I can do is be me, you know, shout out to be me community. Also, I just don't know other, any other way to be like, I'll get depressed if I try to be somebody else. I just like to live in my light and shine bright and whatever opportunities or um, networks who want to connect with me and collaborate. I'm just for it. I don't, I'm just open, you know, if we're on the same wavelength and we can get down, if it's not the same wavelength and I think they're on some more low frequency or trying to use me for something, then I'll say no. Mm-hmm. But, but, but this takes us back Genesis to like the very top of the talk about just you loving you, you loving the people around you, you loving the friends around you, you loving the creatures, the creation around you and it resonating, uh, What's the word I want to say? Reverberating is a better word. Out into the mm. world, and then and then out to the creator. Mm. That to me is like the way to be. That is the way to be. Like if we could be that way, if we could be ourselves, and I think mm. ourself is that way. Like that's I think before what did you say the before the chisel you know hits mm-hmm. us mm-hmm. when we're still we people. That's our, I think that's our innate nature right. is to be lovers of ourselves and the people around us and the world, the creatures that I'm in the dandelions, I'm in the mud, you know, I'm in the worms. When I was little, I used to love playing with worms. Let's talk about that another time. But like, you know, we're, like all the things, they're like a part of us. So what would be the way, how, how can we amplify that kind of world loving love Mm -hmm. is always my question. And I wonder what you'd say, maybe I I would love to say, what would you wrap, but what would you say about Mm -hmm. this kind of world loving to be a world loving warrior or something? I don't know. What would Mm -hmm. you say? Mm-hmm. Like a, a globalist or a universalist yeah. even. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's doing what you've been doing, Jackie, you know, like trying to use your voice and your platform to, you know, speak on this and amplify those who you feel have this mes- message genuinely, mm-hmm. you know, and, and myself, you know, I work with a lot of younger clients, younger activists and artists who I see potential in as can be being the next generation of light bringers. You light know? bringers. Yeah, but you got to meet people where they are, you know? Yeah. Like, that's why I don't have any judgment on anybody mm-hmm. because I don't have judgment on myself. Mm-hmm. I had to get rid of a lot of negative chatter and ne- negative self-talk and anxiety uh, that I've worked on for a long time. So 
without judgment of myself, I don't judge anybody. And I think everyone has the potential to be that light bringer because we all have that inner light and essence inside of us, whether we, you know, choose to try to get back to it or not. That, that's, that's your business, but it's there. It's there. Light bringer. You know, you said it makes me, I do get some Star Wars going in my brain, about, <laughs> but, but, but yeah, light worker, light bringer. Do you remember, no, you're too young. There's a science fiction movie that had um, these light beings that came and they put on human flesh so they could like fit in with us. And I think it was called Cocoon. <laughs> I love science fiction. And there were these, and they had so much positive energy that these old people came across their cocoons in the ocean and in the pools and it would make them young again. And they were like old and dancing and doing their thing. But at some point, um, one of the women, the, fem- the, the female type alien, if you will, wanted to make love to an earthling. And what she did is she basically sort of unzipped her skin. Like she took her skin off and all she was was light, right? Wow. And then she zapped him with her light. And then he was like, it was like the orgasm of all orgasms. Is that okay, Stacey? (laughs) (laughs) I feel like I'm I'm that being of light. Right? Giving like the best orgasms to people ever, right? <laughs> <laughs> I gotta watch that movie. I feel like that movie is about me. It is. A, it is a fantastic. Much everybody listening, get cocoon, rent it, and watch the light beings be light. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> I love that giggle, right? Woo! It's like, 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 yeah. So what if we could do that? What if we could take off our masks? What if we could take off our stuff? What if we could strip down? Our BS. What if we could just get real and just really be light and love on each other? I think that would be hot. We are. We are light beings experiencing a human, experiencing um, existence as a human at this yeah. at this point in time. But this is our vessel. Yes, yeah. flesh and bones, and it's important, you know, to take care of our vessels. But there's something deeper in our consciousness and our in our hearts, in our mind, there's an elect- actual an electricity that keeps our body going and it regulates right. us, a pulse. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Somebody might call it a soul, a CK, light is a great word for it. Genesis, um, you know, y'all, Genesis is my, my spirit daughter. Uh, she's been a mentored at the Middle Project where I'm the president. She's... Uh, I just feel like in the last, I don't know, eight years or something, I've known you to watch you be you has been a delight. No kidding. Thank you. A delight. And um, I just wonder, you know, if I ask you, what do you know for sure about love? What what would you say? Mm. I think that mm, I know that love is something that's almost unfathomable. It's something that's almost indescribable, but it is something that exists in everything and everybody. And I believe that every living thing is deserving of it and needs it to grow healthily in a healthy manner. Mm. That's beautiful. Genesis Briggs, Genesis B, light wrapped in flesh Mm. thank you Genesis thank you for everything love period is Corey Big Paul Swanson Izzy Spitz Sarah Janzak 
Jenna Kuiper, Sarah Palmer, Nicholas Kramer, and I'm Calissa Brewster. This podcast is produced by the Center for Action and Contemplation, which is located in the heart of New Mexico, thanks to the generosity of our supporters. We also have other podcasts you might like. You can find those wherever you like to listen by searching for Center for Action and Contemplation or visit us at cac.org to find out more about our other programs. From the high desert of New Mexico, we wish you peace and every good.